May the words of my mouth and the meditations of our hearts be always acceptable in thy sight, O Lord, our rock and our redeemer. Amen. Please be seated. Glad you're here today. Isn't that bell choir great? It's just, they, they are something else. Now, I made a point of this at the early service because I thought Jonathan Grabe was filling in for someone. Jonathan, would you stand up? Now, for those of you who may not know, you got cut? Oh, no, no. For those of you who may not know, to stay standing, Jonathan is a boy. So let it never be said that Christ the King is not for diversity and inclusion. A shining, do you really get cut? What are you talking about? You're not going to let him go. No, you have to be here now. All right. All right. Sermon. Hi, glad you're here. I want to talk to you this morning about this reading from uh, 2 Corinthians. And Paul is talking about death and what happens when we die. And um, the big idea here is Christians should have no fear of death. Christians should have no fear of death. Because we know who we are and whose we are, and when we die, where we're headed. I think it's true to fair to say that people these days are terrified of death more than ever. I mean, there's this attitude of we're born, we live, we die, and that's it. That's it. It's over. We're done. Um, there's there's little, very little faith element in their lives these days. If I were to ask if you to go ahead and say, if you as a child, as a young person, went to church, raise your hand. Now, what if I said, what if I asked that question at the University of Florida? I don't think I'd see as many hands go up because younger people today aren't doing what you're doing, and it thrills me to see younger people and young families in the, in the church, you know? Um, anybody ever heard of a show called Cash Cab, right? So this is, it's on one of those game show channels. So this is a deal where they're in New York, I think they're in New York, and you get in the cab, and the lights flash, and you say, yay, you're in the cash cab. And what they do is they ask you questions. And so they're easy questions, and maybe it's 50 bucks, and you win some things. And then it goes to more, it's more difficult, and you win more. So if, uh, if you've missed three questions, you get kicked out of the cab. But if you get to your destination and you've answered, you haven't missed three, the guy will say, now let's say you've won $1,000. He'll say, Here's $1,000, or double or nothing, double or nothing. What's it going to be? And there's four young people in the car, maybe 30-somethings, right? And they're talking, let's go for it, double or nothing. All right, what's the question? This is no joke. Name one of the four Gospels in the New Testament. None of them knew one Gospel. Zero, zippo, nothing. Now, you either, you can have a phone a friend, or a shout-out. So they go for the shout-out. 
And that means they call somebody over to the cab and they ask him the question. Can you name one, one of the Gospels in the New Testament? And the guy goes, John. And the woman says, oh, right, John. Like you're going to name a Gospel after a common name like John. Whatever, John. Yay, you win, you double or nothing. My point is, you had four people of that age group that just didn't have any idea what one of the Gospels was, okay? So that's on one side of the ledger. Now, on the other side of the ledger, <coughs> you have what's going on in California right now with an evangelist named Mario Morello that I've been telling you about. Thousands of people are coming to faith in a very real and vital way. People who probably never went to church either growing up. A very different group of people, but it's spreading. It's beginning to spread. Eleanor and her group from Shake the Nations is in Louisiana this weekend um, at a place, and she says the, the Holy Spirit and the power of God is just overwhelming. And, and people are just, in, in, so it's happening in these little pockets. You know, I think it's happening here. People are coming, and, and we're seeing new people come and new faces come, and that's exciting. So we need to keep it up, keep the word. Don't be discouraged by, by this, um, but we've got to be faithful in what God has given us to do. Um, the options for death, let's see, reincarnation is one. This is the Eastern religion uh, under understanding of this, where you come back in another, in the next life. And what you come back as depends upon how you lived life in the previous life. You know, so you either come back as the king or a garbage collector or something, whatever. So that's, but so you never stop being reincarnated and coming back. Then there's soul sleep. Soul sleep is you just kind of, Take a nap, you know, until Jesus comes back. There's nothing there. You're just asleep. Um, that's not biblical, but people believe that. Um, annihilation, you just that's the end of it. Lights out, game over, nothing more, boom. Purgatory is one. Um, this, this is, I grew up with this in a more Catholic understanding. Purgatory really says Jesus did not pay the... What Jesus did on the cross was not sufficient to pay the price for my sin. I now, I now have to pay the rest. I've got I've to do what he didn't do for me. So I will spend a certain amount of time in this place called purgatory as if it's hell. But I, the, deal, the difference is I get out at some point. Martin Luther had a, had a thought about this. when In his day, um, it, you'd have these, a thing come into the community called the sin wagon. And you'd have a priest there in the wagon and you'd have these banners of people who were being, being tortured and they were in agony in hell. And he would talk about your loved ones. And he would say, if you want to do something to help your loved ones, come to the church tonight. And people would go to the church and you could buy an indulgence to get them out of hell back in, or into heaven. And there was a phrase, when into the coffer the coin doth ring, from hell to heaven the soul doth spring. And Luther said, <clears throat> I, I, I don't think this is how this works. One of the big things about the Reformation, see, this is a sufficient sacrifice for my sin and for your sin. There's, there's nothing more that I can do. There's nothing I have to pay that hasn't already been paid. And then there's the idea that we are with Christ. I go, and my go-to guy, as usual, is the thief on the cross where Jesus, he's, he says, remember me when you come into your kingdom. And he says, this day you will be with me in paradise. Not next week, not after a long sleep, today. So 
Close your eyes here. Open your eyes there. We're going to be together in this place called paradise. That's encouraging to me. That's the truth. Paul writes to a very beleaguered church at Corinth. Um, he's actually facing death on a daily basis. He writes to them in the previous chapter. He says, we are afflicted in every way, but not crushed, perplexed, but not driven to despair, persecuted, but not forsaken, struck down, but not destroyed. So he's dealing with um, a very difficult situation day in, day out, where he doesn't know, you know, how it's going to end up. Um, each day could be his last, but he never slows down, and he preached the truth with boldness. Our sign out there says, stand up, even if, stand up for what's right, even if you're the only one standing. We need to continue to do that. I'm, I'm thinking of the, uh, the Canadian pastor who um, didn't let the police ch close the church down, and then they arrested him. His charge, he's got to go to trial now up in Calgary, Canada. The charge is inciting people to attend church. That's the charge. I'm like, okay, that's a crime. But, <laughs> you know, that's kind of where we are. I don't know what your attitude toward death is. We're all going to die. We all die. Unless it comes back this afternoon, which would be fine with me. We're all dying at some point. Um, you have a date that you were born. Everybody knows their birth date. We have a die date, a death date. Nobody knows what that death date is, but it's there. And I don't, you don't change that. You just don't change it. It's, there it is. God knows when it is. We don't know when it is, but he knows when it is. It could happen by an accident. Greg Graham takes his plane off a few months ago, crashes the plane, and that, that was his last day. That was his date. He didn't know it. He thought he'd be home later in the afternoon, but he wasn't because of an accident. Illness. Um, people get sick and they die. People, so many people have got COVID. Um, Jean, my stepmother, all of a sudden has brain cancer. 30 days later, she's gone. Huh? What? No, wrong. Made a mistake. Never expected it. I didn't see it coming. Um, age, age will catch up with you. You know, Louise made it to 100. God bless her. Who's the oldest person here? All right, Raymond, how old are you? 93. Who can beat that? Going once, going twice. Oh, wait a minute. 93. When's your birthday? Oh, well, you've got the, you win. Raymond wins. See, but we don't know when we're checking out. We just don't know, but we have to be ready for that. Uh, another thing that people don't expect is crime. You know, when you live in a major city these days, it's like you're always looking around to see where you are. I always thought it was just Chicago and New York and L.A., but now it's like Publix. In South Florida, some guy went nuts in a Publix store, you know. And so you, you, in a way that we never had to be before, we're a little bit more cautious, a little bit more wary or something like that. So there's all sorts of ways in which we, we die. Some can be expected and some are not expected, but we have a date. But I also believe there's a difference between Christians and non-Christians. 
in the way we approach this. If I'm in a, and, and Father Tom will tell you the same thing, when you're in a, in a hospital set, setting, an ICU, um, a hospice room or something like that, you can tell, you can tell the difference between those who know Jesus Christ, where the spirit is present, and those who don't. It's palpable. When our boys were in the hospital, when Donald had Guillain-Barre and Liam was down in Tampa with that accident in the coma, people wanted to go into their hospital rooms because you could sense the Holy Spirit was present. Then there are other times when it's just not there, and you're trying to encourage people and, and comfort people in, in a particular way. And it's, you still love this person. You don't want this person to go. But there's a sense that you know where they're headed. And the other group doesn't. They don't know what happens on the other side of this. It's, it's an unknown. And it, it is more and more, it's more and more difficult. I think Christians look death in the eye. They don't blink. They don't want it, but we're not afraid of it. A Christian railroad engineer was speaking to a group of fellow workers about heaven. He said, I can't begin to tell you what the Lord Jesus means to me. In him I have a hope that is very precious. Let me explain. Many years ago, as each night I neared the end of my run, I would always let out a long blast with a whistle just as I'd come around the last curve. Then I'd look up at the familiar little college and cottage on top of the hill. My mother and father would be standing in the doorway waving to me after I had passed. They'd go back inside and say, Thank God, Benny is home safe again tonight. Well, they're gone now, and no one is there to, be, to welcome me. But someday, when I have finished my earthly run, and I draw near to heaven's gate, I believe I'll see my precious mother and dad waiting there for me. And the one will turn to the other and say, Thank God, Benny is home safe at last. For the final time, the final run. But he'll be here, and he'll be with us, and he's home. And that's a blessing. Paul faced death confidently. One of the things he talked about in these verses today was he said, I'm going to trade in this tent for really for a mansion. I'm going to get rid of this tattered old thing that I carry around with me, and I'm going to, man, I'm going to move into a mansion, you know. And it reminded me of this story that I came across. Wilfred Yoder was one of the most enthusiastic Christians you'd ever gonna, you'll ever meet, even though he suffered with the pain of arthritis for many years. When people would greet him and inquire, how are you today, he cheerfully would answer, just fine. Those who knew of his pain sometimes questioned him, his sincerity. How can you say you're fine when you're in so much pain? And Wilford's, Wilford's standard answer response was, how I feel is very little to do with how I am. You see, the part of me that hurts is just a shell, not the real me, and the real me is just. He had an inward sense of who he was in relationship with God, and that was just fine because that relationship, that real him, was just fine. You know? I mean, we all get older. Face it. I had, there was a family that came this morning I hadn't seen in a while, and one of the girls came in, and she's now a junior in high school, and she's... You know, she went, came through grace, and she came up to me, and she said, Father Don, you remember at the eighth grade graduation when you went like this? You said, I said, I said, she, you said to us, this is your life. 
You're born, school, married, kids, you're dead. I do that every time. She said, that is so true. I've never forgotten it. I mean, really. So we were, where were, where were we, the outback a month or so, two months ago? This young man comes up to me, probably in his 30s, and he says, Father Don, he says, you don't remember me, but I'm, oh, how are you? Gosh, good to see you. He says, yeah, he says, I'm married now, and I have a couple of kids. And I go, oh, that's great. And he goes, in my face. <laughs> and, my, I, and he went, you, he says, you were so right. It just, it's just, yeah, you know. I mean, our kids are 47, 45, and almost 43. I, I can't believe that. When did, when did that happen? You know, really, who's got the oldest kid here? I asked that once, and Harry Edwards said, I got a son who's 75. Beat that. Anybody, who's got the oldest kid? My oldest is 47. 65? 65. You guys are like winning the whole contest over here. Holy mackerel. God bless you. Good genes. Something's going on over there. Uh, you're going to have a real body, by the way. I think of the Mount of Transfiguration, Peter, James, and John. Somehow they recognized Moses and Elijah. They did, you know. Uh, maybe they had a directory. I don't know. But they, they were like real people standing there with Jesus, not some disembodied spirit. I tell that story about it. I'm not going to tell it, but my, my Jean, my stepmother, was 85 and died of cancer. But when God gave me that vision of her, she was 35 and beautiful, like a real person. Um, MC and, and uh, Gus Galloway's daughter, Paula, was in her 50s, and she was up at Chance, and she had cancer or problem. And she calls MC, and she says, Grandma's here. Now, Grandma's long gone. She said, Grandma's here with me. Of course, MC, in her very spiritual way, said, You tell her you can't go with her. <laughs> Mom, is Grandpa there? No, he comes and goes, but Grandma's here all the time. Do you talk to her? Well, I talk to her, but not when anybody's in the room. They think I was crazy. And the next day, she passed away. All right? Liam, when he had, was, was in his coma, had an experience with Jesus. All right? Um, Blaine's wife had an experience that passes, your wife that passed away had an experience with Jesus, flatlined for 20 minutes, comes back. That's a great story. We'll tell that sometime. She had an experience with Jesus. We have other people here who have had experiences with Christ in a real, in a real body, in a real body. So it's not some disembodied state that we go to. He says we all have to appear before the judgment seat of Christ. It's not the white throne of judgment in Revelation. This is for believers. Um, let's see here. Here we go. 
For we must, all, we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ so that each one may receive good or evil according to what he has done in the body. So this is going to be a judgment of believers. And we're going to be judged by according to what we've done and how we've lived our lives. Now, before you panic, he says this in Ephesians, For by grace you have been saved through faith, and this is not your own doing. It is the gift of God, not because of works, lest any man should boast. For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works. It's not about works save us. It's a judgment of our lives, right? I always tell you there's two, there's two questions on the final exam. We stand before God, Jesus, in this judgment. What did, you do, what did you do about my son? And then what did you do with what I gave you? What kind of life did you live? All right? And all of the, all of the stuff that doesn't reflect well on God is going to be burned away. All that's going to be left is what reflects him in our lives. That's, the, that's what's going to happen at this particular judgment. Four observations about that verse. Christians must appear before the judgment seat of Christ. Our judge will be Christ. Our judgment will be after we die. And then he, in, in Hebrews, it says... And just as it is appointed for men to die once, and after that comes judgment. That's what Paul is saying in these verses as well. Our deeds will be the public evidence to demonstrate that our faith is real. Salvation is by faith and rewards are by faith. The evidence of faith will be the transformed life. Because our deeds are not the basis of our salvation, they are the evidence of our salvation. Good deeds do not lead to salvation Good deeds flow from salvation. Dietrich Bonhoeffer had a, had a, had a concept he called cheap grace. And, and in this day and age, so many people think that they've come into a relationship with Jesus through the Father, a relationship with the Father through the Son and the power of the Holy Spirit. But they really haven't. And the evidence of this is going to be a transformed life. I remember years ago, we used to have this... Um, grocery day where we give away groceries, lots of them, to thousands of people at the, at the uh, Southeastern Livestock Pavilion. And so you had all these groceries here on tables, right, down this way. And over here, about 50 yards away in the, in the stands was Eddie. Eddie was an evangelist they brought in from Chicago every time we did it. So Eddie's over here. And he's preaching his heart out to the people over here. The people over here they're not looking at Eddie. They're looking at the groceries. All right? Eddie's over there preaching. They're looking at the groceries saying, how long before we can go down and get the groceries? I always wanted them to put chairs here so that they would have to sit and listen before they would go get the groceries, but that never happened. At the end of his time, Eddie would say, he'd say, if you want to give your life to Jesus Christ, raise your hand. And people would go, what? What did he say? Raise my hand for what? What am I doing? Am I, does this mean I get in the front of the line? What, what is this? People would go around counting raised hands as salvations. I'm not joking. 
That's what they, hallelujah, one more for Jesus. No, no, wasn't real. You know, we don't want to be kidding ourselves. Have I repented of my sin? Have I turned back? Have I given my life to Jesus Christ? Am I a spirit-filled, believing Christian? That's the question. In the end, we don't fear death because we have been saved by faith for an eternity with God. I want to leave you with this. Please stand. Winston Churchill, former British prime minister, made specific requests regarding his funeral services. He asked that it begin with the playing of taps, the traditional military signal played at the end of the day or at the end of life. But when Churchill's funeral service was over, those in attendance were startled to hear trumpets play the familiar strains of Reveille, the stirring call that awakens the troops at the beginning of a new day. Taps here, reveille there. Amen.